you guys can head out as well. Did anybody else out there snicker when we, when we sing, We Behold the Falling Rain? Just like, yeah, we've had enough of that, right, Lord? All right, you flooded this place. We get it, all right? Mm. Most of you guys know who uh, C.S. Lewis is, a pretty famous author, English um, author, and he didn't get married until very late in life, and he um, married a, an American woman named Joy, and unfortunately, Joy found out that she had cancer um, before they were uh, married, but they went ahead and, and went through with um, their marriage, and uh, the 1993 movie Shadowlands uh, kind of chronicles their love story, and in uh, the movie, there's a particular scene where uh, Lewis is interacting with his pastor. They're having a conversation about prayer and specifically about the prayers that he's prayed on behalf of his sick wife. And this is what Lewis says to his friend. He says, I pray because I can't help myself. I pray because I'm helpless. I pray because the need flows out of me all the time, waking and sleeping. It doesn't change God. It changes me. And last week we talked about this mysterious practice of prayer, and uh, I shared with you how over you know, my 30 years of following Christ that it's been a source sometimes of frustration. I think it can be for all of us as times as we try to interact and connect with this, this God that we can't physically see. Um, so this summer, uh, we're going to take a look through uh, the prayers of Paul Uh, see what we can learn um, from the things that he wrote and the way that he prayed. And it isn't so much a series where I'm going to be giving you all these techniques of things to do or this formula for prayer success. This isn't the prayer of Jabez, you know, the summer of Jabez or anything like that. Um, My greatest concern, as C.S. Lewis just said, was that, that in the act of praying, that something would change in you. So that that's my hope. And one of the ways we talked about last week, a couple different ways that we learn how to pray, one of those is by imitating the prayers of others. We hear, we see how other people pray, and we begin to imitate that. So I want you guys to go ahead and open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1 today, which is page 814. Page 814. So just a reminder that this is a letter that Paul wrote to a church uh, in a city called Ephesus. Ephesus is uh, where today modern-day Turkey is, okay? Um, Ephesus was, was kind of an epicenter for, for early Christianity. A lot of the early leaders um, lived there. But Paul would write these letters as he moved on to plant other churches. He would write letters back to the churches that he'd left just trying to encourage them, trying to strengthen them and their understanding of, of the Bible. Remember last week we talked about that the Gospels, the stories of Jesus, his words and life hadn't even been written down yet. So these letters that they would receive were so important to them uh, to help keep them focused when, you know, 95% of the world around them weren't following Jesus. So they really needed that. So if you look at verse 15 of chapter 1, it starts out and says, For this reason... So anytime you see something like that, you have to ask, for what reason, right? Um, or if you see the word therefore, you have to ask, what's the therefore? 
So you have to go back and see what was he just talking about. So in this case, we have to kind of look at, um, we have to back up to verse 3. So in the beginning of chapter 1, Paul kind of gives this introduction, and then he launches in to this string of truth bombs. He just kind of drops these unbelievable promises, these things that are true about God and about others. And so let's look at verse 13. I'm sorry, verse 3. We're going to read through verse 14. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. How many English teachers are out there? Anybody? Is, are these, any of these run-on sentences? I don't know. I think he's taking liberty, grammatical liberties here, but that's an aside. I digress. Verse 11. (laughs) In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Man, that is a lot right there. Um, We're going to review that a little bit more um, a little bit later on. But he starts this letter out by saying, guys, look what God has done in you. Look at who he's making you out to be. And what he's doing as he starts this this letter is he is reorienting them again. He's starting this letter by saying, guys, here are the things that are true about God. Here are the things that are true about you. Remember those things. And and I don't know about you, but I I need that all the time. (laughs) And that is such an important part of the prayer process, is that when we come before God to pray, that we make sure that we are praying to as accurate of a view of who God is and who we are and who other people are that we might be praying for or the people we might be seeing as enemies or any of those things, that we have those things in the proper perspective because if we don't, we can get pretty delusioned pretty quickly when things maybe don't go the way we'd like them to go. And what's our part in this deal of all these amazing things that we get? If Look at verse 13. He just says, having believed. So that's really all that's required of us to receive all of these amazing promises is that we have to believe and receive these things. So now we look at verse 15 where he starts out, for those reasons, so those, those amazing truths that I just reminded you of, okay, for those reasons, now I'm going to pray for you. Let's do uh, verse 15 through 17. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation 
so that you may know him better. So that's the, the heart of this whole prayer we're going to read today is those last, that last phrase that we just read there, so that you may know him better. That's what Paul wants for the Ephesians. And that Greek word there, to know, means to, to know deeply and intimately and personally, okay? Like a, like a husband and wife would know one another or, or two lifelong friends, okay? You see, there's a big difference between knowing about Jesus and knowing Jesus. It's a big difference between knowing about Jesus, knowing some facts and information about who he is and what he's done, and knowing him personally and intimately and deeply. Because our God is a God who wants to be known, not just understood, okay? And isn't that kind of the ultimate prayer, really? When you think about what you want for people, if you're praying for your, your spouse or your, your child or your friend, is that, God, I want them to know you better. I want them to know you better. Because if they do, then what can we assume? these people that we're praying for know him better, what can we assume? Hush fell over the crowd. (laughs) Nobody wants to answer the question. Yeah, Taylor? The what? You're going to live for him? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, if you know him, you're going to live for him. What else? Which means that you might be willing to do what? Okay, anything for the cause of other people to know him. Good. What else? Yeah, Devin? Okay. Okay, people that meet him never stay the same, so you'll be changed somehow in that process. Okay? So we can assume that if we're praying for somebody to know God better, that they're going to be changed in that relationship. Anything else? Yeah, Jenny? Okay, you'll know what hurts people and you won't want to hurt them by your actions. Yeah. See, now we're getting going here. There we go. John Boy, yes. It'll bring, the, better, the better you understand Christ, the better you live for him. Somebody that's not quite there yet doesn't really understand, that'll lead you to them to show them the right way and in which direction to go. Okay, good. The more you know him, the better we can explain who he is to other people and help them understand the truth. That's good, good, Okay. So, what doesn't he pray for? He said, I pray that you may know him better. What does he not pray for? Stacy? He doesn't pray for relief. What else? Yeah. Happiness. Happiness. Prosperity. Right? He doesn't pray for their circumstances to change at all. Right? I mean, first century, being a Christian, hardly anybody's a Christian, right? You've got the Roman Empire oppressing you. You've got the Jews that don't want the message of Christ, so they're, they're persecuting Christians. Right? It, we can assume that it's pretty rough, that there's lots of things that are difficult for them, and he doesn't pray that any of those difficulties would go away. He says, I want them to know Christ better. And I think that's important when we think about what we pray for people. 
okay? And what's the key ingredient that he prays for them in verse 17? He says that the Father would give them the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Remember, the Holy Spirit's job, the Holy Spirit's role, Jesus told his disciples, was that the Spirit would come and lead them to the truth. And so, the, so Paul is praying for a deeper filling of the Spirit, a greater um, understanding or sense of the Spirit's presence in their life. He, he's praying that, that their desire to be led by the Spirit would, would grow. And it's not that the Spirit is not already present in these Ephesian believers, it's that in all of us that have the Spirit inside of us when we come to know Christ, we always have the choice either to pay attention to or to ignore the Spirit as the Spirit tries to lead us. We have a choice. And so in some ways, he's, he's praying that they would choose to be attentive to the Spirit, okay? Let's look at verse 18. Verse 18 says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. So now Paul is taking them on a journey from their heads to their hearts. He's been talking to them about, here are all the things that I say are true. Now he's saying, I want to take those things deeper, okay? All the truths that I just hit you with in verses 3 through 14, I want you to know them because you experience them as well, okay? I want you to know deeply what you already say you believe. And in order for that to happen, I'm praying that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened. And that phrase, the eyes of your heart, this is the only time that it appears in the New Testament is in this verse. And so what is that all about, Okay? So we need to look at that. So the heart, in a spiritual sense, is that place um, that, that's kind of the, the real you. That place where you decide um, what values you're going to have, what's going to be important to you, what paths you're going to take in life. And every important decision at some point has kind of got to flow through the heart, your, your will, the essence of who you are. And as I mentioned before, we, we have the choice to either cooperate with what it is the Spirit wants us to do or to resist that, okay? So if the eyes are, of our heart are shut, then that is a, a time in our life where we are kind of just blind to God's truth, to his light, and, and we are walking around in self-centered darkness. And I, I've been in that place before. I've been in a place in my life where I've been so filled up with pride and arrogance that I, um, I just don't want to listen to other people. <laughs> um, I want to believe certain things to be true. I've forgotten what's true about God and myself and others. And that's a really ugly place to be. Because in order to stay there, you have to kind of continue to, to play yourself as the victim. That way you can justify your actions, uh, and in order to justify your actions, you have to demonize everyone else so that you can continue to see yourself as the good guy, the one who's in the right. Maybe you can relate to that mindset or that perspective. But this is not a place that we can stay, 
where the eyes of our heart are shut. And John, uh, in, in 1 John 3, 6, he makes that clear. He says, no one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Okay? And because when we're in that place, when our eye, the eyes of our heart are shut, it's, that's when we fall into destructive sin patterns. It's when... Um, our heart grows distant and hard towards God and towards other people. And John is saying, you can't stay there. <laughs> so in order to not stay stuck there, we have to pray for ourselves. We have to say, God, I need you to open the eyes of my heart. Because it's only a work of the Spirit in which that can happen. It's not something that we can will or desire. I really want, I really want to understand things better than I am. It has to be the Holy Spirit that comes and, and does that in us. So we pray that God would do it. And Paul says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Why? In order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. In order that you may know it. Okay? So what were some of the elements of that hope again? Let's, let's put those up here. This is kind of a list from, from those, that section. That we were blessed with every spiritual blessing. That we were chosen in Christ. That we were predestined to be adopted as sons. That we were recipients of his grace. That we were redeemed by his blood that we have the forgiveness of sins, that that grace uh, he has lavished on us, God's plans were made known to us, that we were chosen and predestined, we were sealed by the Holy Spirit, we were given the Holy Spirit as a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance as a child of God. So really what Paul is doing here is he's praying that these Ephesians would understand how rich they already are. He's praying that they would understand how rich they already are. Why? John? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, maybe they weren't physically rich, so they needed to understand, remember that the spiritual blessings that they have. What else? What else happens in your perspective when you understand what you already have in Christ? Yeah, Will? Do what? Okay. Okay. Yeah, so, man, that's a great analogy. Thank you. Oh, okay. Well, that's good. Thanks, thanks for your honesty. His analogy there was that if, you'd had, if you had a check that was very small, like if somebody wrote me a $5 check, I mean, I don't even know if I'd go cash it. I mean, I'd have to be pretty desperate to really want, you know, a few big gulps or something like that. But, and, so some, and sometimes we look at these promises that we say that God says are true about us, and if we don't really understand the depth of those things, we think, ah, oh, that's kind of a $5 gift. But when we fully understand what these promises mean for our life, it's, it's like we look at it and all of a sudden that five's had several zeros put on the end of it and you're not going to hang her on to a $5 million check. You're going to go cash that baby quick, right? Yeah, good. Why else? Why else is it important for the Ephesians to understand how rich they truly are? What changes in your perspective when you understand that? Yeah. You, you have a heart of gratefulness. That's good. That's your attitude, your perspective, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You have this idea that I've got something to share. <laughs> That's a great, great one. Don't you think you just get a little bit more content? Because then you're not searching for the things of this world to satisfy you. If I've already got everything that I could have through God's blessings in my life, 
then I don't have to have that house, that car, that job, that thing that that somebody else has. I'm content. I've got everything. Do we know how rich we already are? How much of our time do we spend daydreaming or striving about, oh, man, if I just had that? I have to watch myself um, when I go running. Because sure enough, man, the neighborhood in which I run in changes my mindset the whole time, right? When I'm running in certain parts of town, I'm like, man, my house ain't so bad. I've got it pretty good. And then I run in other parts of town, I'm like, oh, man, if I had that house, whoo, what I could do with things, right? How grateful are we? Because it's important to understand that those things we just listed there in verses 3 through 14, in order for us to have those, in order for those to be true about us, it costs the Lord something. It wasn't cheap. Let's look at verse 19. He says, I want you to know, kind of backing up to verse 18, the glorious riches that you have this inheritance, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead, seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So Paul prays for them to know the hope that they have in Christ and that they would know his incomparably great power. Why? Because often in life, we are gripped by fear and worry and feelings of insecurity, right? Or, or this feeling that man, I really want life to change. I can see that I need to change in this way, but I just feel powerless to do it. And so Paul takes a a moment to remind them of the power that is available, that's at their disposal. He says, guys, the same power that raised Christ from the dead is in you. Know that. Because I think if we really knew that, we'd be a lot more risky and courageous than we are. You see, there should be a great assurance and great confidence in our hearts because of what we know about God's power. We ought to be expecting that he has done, we know that he has done, but he will continue to do great things in us and through us, in our life, in the lives of people around us if we really believe in this power that we have. And this is an unbelievable prayer, that we would know Christ that we would know the hope that we have in him, that we would know and understand uh, the glorious riches uh, that are available through our faith, that we would know the power of God that's at our disposal. So I want you to think about, for a second, how different your life might look, how different your perspective might be on some things in your life right now if we knew the things that were true about us. So I want you to put that list back up there, Todd. And I want to ask you guys this question. Can you think of a situation in your life right now that might look different if these truths weren't just in your head, but it penetrated your heart? 
Can you think of a situation in your life right now that might look different if these truths weren't just in your head, but had penetrated your heart? How many of you are seriously thinking of a situation right now? Not just like clocking, clocking your time here at church, right? You're thinking of, man, if I had a different perspective. All right, two of you. Awesome. Okay. So for me, as I've spent some time reflecting on this, I think, you know, the one that jumps out to me is that first one. It's just that I've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. Like, what more could I want? How could I want anything more than every spiritual blessing. If I lived like that, what would my perspective be in life? How might I see things differently? Do you know about Jesus? Or do you know Jesus? We need the spirit of wisdom and revelation to open the eyes of our hearts so that we understand and don't miss the hope that we should have in Christ. And guys, we need this reminder not just once. We need it every day. Every day. I don't know about you, but I forget what's true all the time. And Paul knew that. So look back at verse 17. What does he say? Verse 17, he says, I keep asking. He didn't pray this prayer once for the Ephesians. He kept asking and kept asking and kept asking joyfully because he understood the weight of what it was that he was praying for them and he wanted them desperately to get it, to know it, to live like it was true. Look at what he wrote in Galatians 6, 9. He says, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. Keep praying. Keep asking. Don't give up praying for other people to know him better, to know him more and more. So my question for you this week as we go out from here is, I want this to be a very practical series Okay, so I want you to be thinking of a person in your life, a friend, uh, a family member, who you would be willing to pray this prayer in Ephesians 4 this week, every day. Could you commit to a person that you would be willing to pray this for every day for this week? That, that there's a person in my life that I want them to know Christ better. I want the eyes of their heart to be enlightened. I want them to understand the hope that they have, the riches that they have, the power that they have. Who is that person? Write it down on your program right now. Don't just go through the motions here this morning. I'm not here to entertain you. I'm here to help you change and to put into practice what God's word says. 
And will you pray it for yourself as well? Paul did. Look at what he wrote in Philippians 3.10. He says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. I want to know Christ. And here's the invitation. The invitation is to keep praying and to keep asking because you believe that God's love and God's truth is so powerful that you don't want anyone to miss out on it, that you don't want to miss out on it. And my prayer is that as you pray for this person, that it changes you that it changes you, something in you changes. Because what you're going to be doing is you're going to be praying the word of God for somebody else. You're going to be reminding yourself what's true as you pray for somebody else, right? As you pray, God, open the eyes of their heart. God, give them the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Help them to cooperate with with what spirit's trying to do in their life. Wipe away the blindness in them. Help them to understand these things. Go back through verses 3 through 14 and pray specifically. I want them to understand the spiritual blessings that they have in Christ. I want them to understand that they've been adopted as sons. I want them to understand whatever it is might be a struggle for them. What you're going to find as you pray those things out loud for others that you're praying them back to yourself as well. As we come to communion today, this table, this table is the hope, and this table is power, and through this table, we have the opportunity to know Christ more, right? I want to leave this verse up here as we, as we take communion. I just want you to just dwell on it for a while, Because a lot of people love that first part, to know the power of his resurrection. That sounds really exciting. And then there's a second part, to participate in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. So when we come to the table, what we're acknowledging and saying is that, God, I receive, I understand that your body was broken, your blood was poured out so that I might be saved, and I receive that. But what we're also saying back to him as we participate is, God, I want my life to be like that. I want to be broken. I want to be poured out so that others might know you more in my life, in the way that I pray for them and reflect you. So make sure that that's the attitude of your heart before you come, not just what it is you're going to receive, but what it is you're going to give back in participating in this. So take some time of silence to just pray. Maybe start praying for that person, praying for yourself. Have the word of God close to you this week. Have it in your car or wherever you have time at lunch so that you can look and you can pray through specifically what these things are saying for others. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this opportunity to to learn from Paul today. And God, a lot of times when I get into praying for people, I pray that you would do all kinds of different things. A lot of them are kind of circumstantial things. And it's not that you don't care about those or that that those things aren't important. But God, more than anything, if we really think about it, isn't what we really want for others to know you more deeply?
If they did, wouldn't, wouldn't a lot of circumstances in their life kind of clear up or kind of be refocused or reimagined with a new perspective? God, I pray that these truths that we're reminded of today would just take root in us. God, that we would begin to live the things that we say we believe, that we would be content because of what is true about you and about your love for us and what you've given us. I pray that we would find hope in those things, God, where the world wants to tell us that there isn't hope or circumstances want to tell us that. And God, I pray that as we pray this week that we would be changed, that we would, like Lewis, have this sense of, I pray because I'm helpless. I pray because I can't help it, that you are just on our minds night and day, and God, that you are changing us in the process. So Lord, hear our prayer right now as we come before you in just a time of silence, just to ready ourselves to participate with you in your sufferings today.